Welcome to Podcasts from Cumberland Lodge. Today we are speaking to Dr. Vonda Viporska, Executive Director of the Equality Trust. Welcome, Vonda. Thank you. Could we start by you just telling us a little bit about your work with the Equality Trust? Yes, um, the Equality Trust was set up in 2009 um, off the back of the publication of the highly successful book The Spirit Level, which many of you may be familiar with. And we are the national charity that campaigns to reduce social and economic inequality so that we can create a fairer society for everybody. We're going to talk a little bit about whether social cohesion is under threat today. Some commentators are worried about a recent spike in group enmities, um, racial or religious hate crime, for example. Do you share their concerns? Yes, I do, um, because we know after the um, referendum vote, we know at certain points, for example, when there's been um, an incident such as the incident that occurred in Westminster last week, that there will be outbreaks of Islamophobia or outbreaks of, of hate crime directed against different people. And this is of a wider concern to us because we know that in societies which are unequal, as the UK is, then there's less trust. Um, the social bonds are weaker, and that displays itself in all sorts of different um, effects. So we see a spike in homophobia, in biphobia, in transphobia. We see people victimised because of wrongly held beliefs about Islam and about the Muslim faith. And we just see an opportunity for people to be able to think that they are other, that we have someone that we can scapegoat for our problems. And it's, you know, it really comes back to Maslow's theory of, of, um, of needs, hierarchy of needs, because if we live in a society where economically we're safe, we're, we have a, a secure job, we have secure housing, and our lives are more secure, then we're far less likely to be looking at other people to scapegoat for the problems that we're seeing in our life. So when we have economic inequality, when we have people who are trying their very best to make ends meet, but the structural inequalities are failing them, then we're far more likely to see outbreaks of hate crime. Mm. What do you think are the particular challenges that are facing younger people in society today? Well, I think we, to some extent, have a broken social compact um, for this generation. We've told young people to go to university or to do their A-levels or go into FE to work hard um, academically and that they will be rewarded for that, that they will come out of university or, or come out with an apprenticeship and get a job, you know, raise a family, have a home, those sorts of things that that many people aspire to. And unfortunately, the jobs aren't there. You know, the jobs that are there are very much in a precarious gig economy. Um, And so we've broken that social compact and we've compounded that by heaping on debt um, for the courses that people people are taking. And we know, for example, that among um, black and minority ethnic young people, that they are very much underemployed in terms of of the skills that they have and the qualifications they have. So, you know, when the government talks about um, a race strategy and says we must equip people with the skills, that's not the problem. People have the skills and they have the qualifications, but they're being underemployed. And I think underemployment is one of those big things that people aren't talking about. Um, There are many people out there who would like to work more hours, who are overqualified for the jobs that they're doing, and the labour market isn't adjusting to the new circumstances. So what do you think that we could do to to address that situation? Well, I think we have to give young people a real stake in our economy. We have to encourage them um, to support civil society because we know that many people are disengaged, many people aren't voting. And I think we've seen that in the referendum um, where people, young people have really felt that divide between the generations. And I think, you know, we, we could be storing up trouble for the future if we don't um, in some way enact that social compact with that generation. We have to look at our labour market and think, 
do we really want um, so many people on zero hours contracts with no job security, with no income security? Do we want people working without employment rights? Do we want people in a situation where, you know, for example, we have 50,000 women a year who are discriminated against because they have the temerity to fall pregnant? So there's a lot, there's a lot we can do in terms of introducing a living wage, in creating more jobs that are paying a wage that people can actually live on. I mean, don't forget, two out of three of the children who are living in poverty are living in households where there is somebody who's working. So we need to fix the economy and, and talk to business and, you know, compel business to be paying living wage. How do you think that we can promote a, a greater sense of belonging in society today? I think what we've seen over the beginning of this year um, with events such as the Women's March um, is a feeling that people want to get active, people want to um, create communities. I mean, the Equality Trust has 30 local groups up and down the country and we see local people coming together in a space that's theirs to talk about the campaigns and the the issues that are are central to their lives and that are happening in their locality. I think with devolution we have um, a great opportunity for people to really feel that they have a stake in what's happening locally. The Equality Trust has been very involved with fairness commissions up and down the country and we see from participation in organisations such as that and projects and initiatives locally that there is a real appetite for people to get involved. Now we also have a a social responsibility to make sure that we can offer those people something to change, an aspect of society that they want to change. There's a real appetite for people to become activists um, who haven't really become active in campaigning before and I think it's about seizing that opportunity that devolution offers that people will get concerned about what's happening locally in their area they feel they have a stake in that and we can nurture that activism um, and we can also encourage people to to make real change in their lives. Mm. And do you think that a shared sense of identity for everyone is what we should be aiming for in society or is it important to allow for more of a plurality of identities? I think a shared sense of identity is very um, open to abuse in a sense. You know, we have to think who's determining what that sense of identity is, whose identity is this. And I also think that, you know, we we are within ourselves a plurality of identities. You know, I'm a mother, I'm a chief executive, I'm a black woman um, and I'm a northerner. And I think, you know, trying to impose one sense of identity on people is is really not not the way to go. And I think that it would be very difficult to actually figure out what that identity would be. I think the great thing um, about Britain, to some extent, is that we are more or less able to hold multiple identities and to not feel penalised for, for that. Now, we do know that realistically there's there's a pay gap for, for women, There's it's exacerbated by being... BME, we know that obviously there's a pay gap for disabled people, but in holding our identities ourselves and in choosing or or recognising those multiple identities, I think it's very, very difficult to actually impose one sense of identity on people. Mm. Now Cumberland Lodge is very much a place for constructive dialogue. We, we bring people together to learn from each other, to exchange views, uh, to think creatively. What role do you think that dialogue across social and professional boundaries can play in addressing social divisions? 
I think dialogue is extremely important and I think it's the foundation and the bedrock really for creating, co-creating work that draws from many disciplines and from many people's experiences. I think one of the problems, um, especially for the third sector, has been that we have really thought of solutions and then imposed them on people. And I'm really glad to see that there's far more of a dialogue between the people that we're working with and the third sector um, in co-creating solutions because, you know, we don't have all of the answers. And I think Cumberland Lodge is a very exciting place to to have that dialogue and to, to meet different people because that always sparks a different sense of creativity. Um, I'm very much a fan of, of multidisciplinary work and I think we learn with the knowledge that we have in one, one area, we learn so much more looking at other areas. So bringing, bringing a multi, multitude of people together with different views, different lived experiences and from different disciplines such as academics and policymakers, I think can only be a good thing. Thank you very much. That brings us to the end of today's podcast. This recording was made in 2017, the 70th anniversary of Cumberland Lodge as an educational foundation. To find out more about the educational and charitable work of Cumberland Lodge, please go to cumberlandlodge.ac.uk.